You're listening to the All Sports Best Podcast. I'm Trey Gonzalez. Very excited to introduce this next guest. We just wanted to let you know that we are available on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We would absolutely love it if you gave us a follow on one of those social media platforms. And if you have Apple Podcasts, if you would search our podcast, scroll down to the bottom and write us a review. That would be outstanding. Subscribe on any of the uh, podcast platforms that you have, and that would be great, guys. Without further ado, here's our interview with alpinist Jess Roskelly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to All Sports Best, the podcast. I'm Trey Gonzalez. Very excited to introduce this next guest that we have on. He's an American mountaineer, alpine climber uh, from Spokane, Washington, Jess Roskelly. Man, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing very well, and I'm I'm very grateful to have you on this show. It's it's awesome to have you. Um, you've done a lot of big things, a lot of things that have not been done by very many people in the world. So, um, so I'm excited to really dive into this. You ready for it? Yeah, totally. So I, I got to know first off. I mean, I gave you the introduction that you we kind of talked about. You know what you do exactly? A mountaineer in a way. You do pretty much everything, right? You climb, you hike, you got to kind of explain it to me. Yeah, so there's there's several different um, aspects of climbing, and, and a lot of people just um, become really good at one. Like uh, um, I'm on the North Face team, and one one of my uh, you know one of my teammates is Alex Honnold, and I think a lot of people uh, he's kind of a household name. A lot of people have heard of the the free soloing that he's done uh, in Yosemite, but you know he yeah. would, he would be primarily a rock climber. Um, there's people that go out kind of up north um i do this a lot i go up and i climb frozen waterfalls up in uh, up in canada um uh and then you know there's there's uh, generally just mountaineers guys that you know maybe the mountain isn't super technical but maybe it's high mm. um you know or even mount rainier um i would i would consider most of the, uh, uh, the normal routes on mount everest would be mountaineering and so as an alpine climber what i do is i I take all of those aspects and I, I try and find new, um, really big rock and ice lines around the world and, um, and put up, um, a new ascent that no one has ever done or a new mountain. And so I tie all those aspects of climbing together, um, just to be, you know, and I have to be really pretty good at, at, at all of them to, to do that. And so, um, kind of a modern day explorer trying to do things that no one, no one else has done. Yeah, golly, it's super cool to really hear about it. But I really want to know also, like, what what is a day in the life for you? You know, heading up to whatever it is that you're going to try and conquer that day or that week, and kind of like how you train for things. But what's what's a day in the life for you? Well, um, I mean, mountain climbing uh, in general doesn't make too much money. So I mean, in the past, um, I was a welder. Ah. I still am a welder, and um, that. So a lot of times I didn't get a chance to train all the time or I would be working, you know, 10, 12 hour days, uh, up in Alaska and I would just train as much as I could at night. But nowadays, um, in more of a professional role, I mean, um, I'm climbing, I'm climbing and training, um, every single day, whether it's, uh, you know, 10 mile runs or, or three or four hour runs or, um, or it's uh, rock climbing or ice climbing for the day, but I'm constantly out. Um, maybe twice a day, even if I want to do like some yoga or something like that, yeah. kind of limber. Um, I'm constantly training. Um, and then, and then, you know, a lot of times I'm, I'm doing stuff like this, maybe like a podcast or I'm doing a lot of writing 
And so, um, very cool. My days are usually pretty filled up. It's pretty, it's actually kind of crazy. Yeah. So keeping busy though, it's not a bad thing. I wanted to no, know, I wanted to know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Cause obviously you train to improve on those weaknesses, but you have to have some really good strengths to do what you've been able to do at age 20. You climb to the top of Mount Everest and you've done plenty of other things and on different continents, you've been to like three or four different continents to climb. I mean, uh, you've really done it up. So what has been your strengths and weaknesses? Well, I think, um, you know, I, I, a lot of, a lot of kids, I kind of did some stuff backwards. A lot of kids grow up, uh, rock climbing and then they kind of move into other things. And, um, my dad was a professional climber and he really loved to ice climb, mm. uh, those frozen waterfalls. And people can look that up on, you know, ice climbing up on the, on the internet and, and check out or, or pictures. And, um, uh, I kind of started with ice climbing. And so, um, I've had to work pretty hard. Uh, so a lot of people build a base with rock climbing and then move on and, and ice climbing that I started with, um, I'm, I'm really confident, really good at that. Um, I still rock climb at a pretty high level, but I've always had to work harder, um, in those strengths than I ever did, um, with ice climbing. So it's, um, so that's the one thing that I work on quite a bit. Um, I've always been a really good, like, um, you know, like cardio, very good runner. And so, you know, that ends up being something that people have to really try hard at is, is really getting those cardio days in, yeah. um, long running days. But, um, I've never had too much of a problem with that. So, um, that would be one of my strengths, but I think, um, the main strength that I have is, is, um, probably my head game. I think, um, Mm. You know, I, I've been with climbers and, and we're in dangerous, you know, situations and whatnot. And, um, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, examples, people, you know, avalanche or uh, really bad weather and you're really high up on a mountain. And, and that's something that um, has come easy for me is, is keeping a good headspace. Um, I'm real confident and, and uh, kind of not freaking out in any type of dangerous situation. Yeah. Wow. So much that goes, that really goes into all this stuff. And, you know, like I said, had no idea exactly what you put into this, but can you tell me kind of how North Face gets behind you and helps you with this whole process? Because spending so much time training and and getting ready for the next big thing can't be easy, but I mean, as a sponsor, you have um, a little bit of support. I do. Yeah. And, and actually I could, there's no way I could do what I, what I do without, um, all the, the support that I have. One of them, um, yeah, first of all, probably being my wife, she has a really good job and, and, and and she helps me out, you know, quite a bit, especially, you know, me being gone for two months at a time in somewhere like Pakistan. I mean, she kind of takes care of everything, but, um, North face has been amazing. And, and I've only, this was, this last year was my first year with them. And, um, I've really gotten to open up and do more things that I really wanted to do before I was sort of limited, um, obviously by money, um, you know, and, and time to train and, and, you know, things like that. And, and North face has, um, helped me out so that I have, I, I have time to train, uh, things mm-hmm. are paid, you know, trips are paid for, um, the gear is free and, um, yeah, they've, they've really opened up my game quite a bit. Yeah. Um, same with Loa Boots. I'm with uh, Loa Boots. They're out of Germany, and, and they've they've opened it all up for me as well. 
So can you, what what exactly do they provide for you? I know they said you said that they give you a lot of gear. North Face entails a ton of different things that they kind of have their hand in. Uh, do they provide ice picks and stuff like that? Because that's that's what you do to climb the frozen waterfalls and things like that, right? Yeah. So um, the other sponsor I have, they're called DMM Wales. They're out of they're out of Wales in the the UK, and they're they're um they uh they provide me with all my like hard goods like my technical stuff my my ice tools uh um all the stuff all the protection i use in the rock and whatnot and then um north face provides me with uh you know you know they they give me a a pretty good little little stipend you know and and then they um you know my clothes basically it's it's pretty cheap for me you know my my daily clothes are um are north face you know my my tent my sleeping bags, my, my good climbing gear is all North face. And then, uh, and then Loa provides the boots. And so, um, everything is, is generally covered. I, I'm, it's actually pretty cheap, um, nowadays for me to, um, go on one of these, these trips. I mean, it always costs a little bit, but, but everything is, is, I, I couldn't do it without them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, and I wanted to kind of, and I don't want mean to back, uh, backtrack on this too much, but we talk about ice, uh, ice climbing and rock climbing and all that stuff. There's totally different gear for all these different uh, things that you do. So you're constantly just carrying a bunch of gear anytime you go on an adventure. Is that right? Yeah. And, and for what I do, usually I'm out, you know, multi days, you know, anywhere. Um, let's see in, in 2017, I, I climbed a new route, uh, in Alaska, Mount Huntington, and um, you know, I, th- I think I was out eight days on that. Wow! Um, and so I, I try and keep everything as light as possible. That's probably some of the most important part of alpine climbing is you're out there for quite a while. You know, you have you have ropes, all your different gear. Food is probably the heaviest, and so a lot of the time I'm 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 eating very, you know, I try and eat very well, but I, I don't eat like I would you know at home. And, um, you know, it's, it's all about survival out there. And that's, what's so cool about it is it's, um, you know, that's my only job out there is to survive, you know, point myself, go up and then survive. And so that's, that's kind of the the whole attraction to me. I would love if you could tell us about a, a story, maybe a climb that you did that was maybe somewhat dangerous or, or at least in your mind, um, one of the things that might have been like, ah, this is getting, you know, a little bit scarier than usual or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've had a few. Um, I mean, for instance, uh, on Mount Mount Huntington up in Alaska, um, we did a, um, we were on, I think it was about, maybe it was seven days, eight days total down. I'd have to, I'd have to look now. <laughs> That's yeah. how short, my memory is short. And so the, um. <laughs> And that's what they always say about climbers is we have short memories and that's why we keep going out into these, um, you know, sometimes <laughs> miserable that makes sense. climbs. You know? and, but um, uh, kind of towards the end, we had, we had done a, a Japanese team from 1978 had tried climbing this giant ridge that consisted mm. of hopping out on um, four other peaks on the ridge. And so, um, uh, but they, they had failed. And, and so my buddy decided that um, he wanted to try this and everybody kind of was kind of naysayed us a little bit. And so we, and I said, yeah, well, you know, no problem. I'll, I'll go and we'll check it out. And nice. um, so we end up doing this entire ridge 
and and it was just beautiful weather the entire time. And then right when we got on the summit, it really we were out of food, <clears throat> almost out of out of gas for our stove to melt water. Oh yeah. Um, and this storm rolled in. It just it just really rolled in hard. So we sat in the tent for the night. Um, we got up the next morning in, in this storm and tried to find the descent route to get to get back down to our original camp and uh um again it was so bad we didn't want to make a mistake all the mistakes um that they get made on these big mountains are are usually um when you're when you're going down yeah and uh so we got we got back in the tent and stayed another night and we were kind of i think we found one cube of bullion left you know it's some good salt but it's not a lot to eat yeah and uh so we, we sat there and on the way down, we finally got our chance to, to rappel down with our ropes. And, um, you know, I was tired. I was, uh, um, you know, cold. My gloves were frozen. And I and it'd be pretty hard for me to explain this, like, to some people. But I, you know, on a on a podcast. But essentially, I almost took a about a 2,000-foot fall. Oh, my. Um, and I was close enough that it was really alarming. Like, I, 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 um. I kind of unclipped one of my carabiners and my glove was frozen and I, I just, I wasn't, you know, I was tired, hungry. I made a mistake and I almost, I almost died on it. So, I mean, I I constantly, um, have to kind of reevaluate and, um, learn from my mistakes. Right. And you say it so casually, you're like, yeah, you know, I almost died, you know, whatever. It's crazy. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, um, I think that's one of the things about, you know, I've had uh, multiple people that I know and were friends uh, died or, you know, pass away doing what I do. And then yeah. uh, climber, uh, alpine climbers don't tend to last like forever because, you know, they might, maybe they get married and the, you know, the spouse um, doesn't want them to do it anymore. Or, or maybe they get nervous and they really back off and kind of quit or, or they yeah. get killed. So it's a um, pretty high turnover rate. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. What happens if you fail? I mean, I know that you just said that some people would would try to do these different adventures or these different climbs, and then you know they couldn't do it or they failed. How does that work? You fail. I mean, you're halfway up a mountain. How do you get back down? You just turn around, or does a helicopter? Do you call in somebody to help you? How how does that all all work? No, no, no. We don't call the helicopters. I mean, generally we're set up to do things um, all on our own. But but. you know, failure is, is, uh, I probably, I bet I fail, you know, 70% of the time. That's, that's part of the game. And, and, and it's, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not playing against another team or, um, you know, I'm playing against like basically a force of nature, right? right. So like weather, wind, are you, you know, altitude, are you, you know, did you get sick? Have you, you know, do you have an, you know, altitude sickness? Are you, um, to somebody, you know, maybe you get hurt also, but, uh, rock fall. I mean, there's, there's just things that you can't control. And, um, and so it's, uh, you know, it, it really, um, levels the playing field. If, you know, it just like, there's no way that you can't not fail on some of these trips. Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, so I'm, I'm used to it. And then some, and then once, um, you know, hopefully once in a while I like, I really make it big on one of these peaks that I've been trying for a long time. Sometimes it takes me a couple times, but, um, you know, sooner or later we always make it happen. 
Could you go ahead and tell us the the story of when you became the youngest to climb uh, Mount Everest? I know we kind of took a little summary of it right before we started the podcast, and and it just seemed so nonchalant, like you were just like, yeah, you know, I don't, yeah, I'll try it. Uh, could you tell us a little bit on how you you know were given the opportunity? <laughs> yeah. So, um, of course, my grades were awful in high school, and I didn't have a. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I think I barely graduated, I, but I. Um, I didn't have, you know, I was a wrestler, ran cross country, you know, things like that. That's, that kept me in school, but I, I didn't mm. have college lined up. So I got a job guiding on Mount Rainier um, when I was 18. And from there, I decided, okay, I'll do some community college and go to school. And I, like, I think one of my first semesters at school, my dad, who was a professional climber, was going to help um, basically a, a guy who was a double amputee mm. try and climb Everest. Yeah. Yeah, his, his name was Ed Homer, and, and Ed was training on, on Mount Everest when a rock came down, um, hit him in the head, and killed him. Wow. And so, yeah, so, um, you know, they had an open spot on this permit, and um, I think my dad probably thought that I, I wasn't really doing my job in school, so, because <laughs> my grades still weren't that great. So, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so he just said, well, here's your college education, and he, he, he basically took me along, I um, to Mount Everest and I had never been anywhere close to that high and um, yeah, the, the, the weird part was that yeah, I, I felt like a little bit of like animosity in between like the people that I knew they were like oh Jess's dad's taking him to Everest so I, right. I, I felt like a lot of, I felt like a lot of pressure to like do really well and I had my wisdom teeth taken out before I left what? and <laughs> And the, the dentist actually, um, the oral surgeon, like, left a big chunk of tooth in my jaw. It was kind of float. And it kept swelling and swelling. And, of course, when you go to altitude, things don't get better. They get significantly worse, whether it's a <laughs> yeah. cold or, um, you know, like a – or an infected tooth, you know. So, sure. Um, so, hey, kind of in the middle of this Evershift, I went up to altitude and, and – uh, my jaw blew up huge, man. And I ended up like drinking some coffee and this piece of tooth like worked its way out of my jaw. And so they sent me, they sent me home. They basically said, Hey, you have an infected jaw. You need to go back to, to Kathmandu. We were in Tibet, so China. And they sent me back to Kathmandu and I went to the dentist, um, at the American embassy and he told me to go home. And, um, I said, yeah, sure. I'll go home. And I, I basically turned right around, got in taxi cab, charged a lot of money on my dad's credit card <laughs> and went back, um, went back to Everest, um, and then ended up summiting. So it was like, it was like quite the adventure for a 20 year old kid. I think, I think yeah. I was, you know, I'm like a 160 pound guy and I think I was like 130 pounds, maybe a little less at the end of all of it. Um, it just, it's just really, it really wears you out. But, you know, Everest is not a um, technical um, mountain. Uh, at least the the main routes, the routes that people climb, are, are not technical. But it, uh-huh. it, it's just really dangerous because of the height and the altitude. Ah, that makes sense. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the ones that you've gone on that you're just like, you know, this one really, you know, really threw me for a loop or whatever it might be, and you still were able to kind of conquer it. Um, the one I originally talked about in in Alaska, Mount Huntington, that one. Um, that one really, that was a tough one. You know, I had multiple people before we left kind of say like, Hey dude, this is, 
Yeah, my buddy Clint Helander, um, he's from Alaska. He's a good climber, and, and they kind of said, "Hey, I don't, uh, Clint, you guys aren't going to get anywhere on this thing. It's not gonna, you know." And and Dang. I wanted out of I wanted out of work anyway, so I just said, "Well, I'm going to go give it a shot." <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and we did. We made it happen. And um, uh, this last summer, I'd I'd never been to Pakistan. Well, I think my parents took me to Pakistan when I was maybe one or two years old, but I basically had never been there. And, and, uh, we kind of went into an area that we didn't know much about and we ended up climbing two new, uh, two new mountains, not even, not even like routes on the mountain, but two new mountains that were, um, over just over 20,000 feet, which is wow. pretty, um, you know, there's, there's a million kids, you know, I, I'm never sure that I'm going to, uh, succeed on one of these things. You know, sometimes I have a good idea, but, but I don't know. Um, I, I look, um, I'm, I'm constantly watching weather, um, in different uh, areas, especially Alaska. And sometimes I'll quite a few times I've uh, seen a good weather window and I've, um, just bought a ticket on the spot, flew up to Alaska and, uh, and summited something within a couple of days and came home. Dang. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always, uh, looking to to get something done and 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 a good opportunity but it's never for sure would you consider yourself to be like probably the closest thing to fearless when it comes to you know doing climbs and and different adventures like this no no you know i i think if you i think if you're not nervous um or 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 scared i think there's probably um something wrong with you i i i think um i think it's really good to have a little bit of um, you know, I'm a very, like, I'm a pretty calm, collected person in, in weird situations. I, I, I just, I'm not a person to, to flip out about anything. Hmm. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'm closer to probably make jokes, um, during it, but the, um, I, I think being, um, afraid sometimes is, is really good. It really keeps you in check. Um, and you're a little bit more alert about things. So I think it's, I think it's just like, um, a natural occurrence in your brain to just uh, keep everything in check. So I'm, I, I don't think it's bad to be um, cautious, I guess. Maybe not yeah. afraid, but cautious. I've noticed that you have been able to take some amazing photos, maybe yourself, of yourself climbing and things like that. Does somebody else take those for you? Because I noticed it, and this is a plug for those of you listening. Um, go check out JessRossKelly.com, and you can see some of the pictures he's been able to take, some of the partnerships he's been able to make, and, and uh, climbs he's done. But who takes those pictures? Do you do them yourself on, like, a self-timer? No, no. So, I mean, it's either um, – I mean, it, that's what's kind of different. You know, you're at a baseball game, or if you're a rock climber or – something that's pretty like close to town. I mean, there's a lot of photographers that could take some great shots, but when you're way up in the middle of nowhere on a mountain, it's really just uh, your climbing partner that'll take the photos. But ah. a lot of the photos on, on my, you know, we all have to be kind of well versed at using a camera um, just so that we can get some good shots while we're out there. But uh, um, the, the site, uh, some of the shot or a lot of the shots on my website are, are my buddy uh, Ben Herndon. And, uh, he's like, he's really good. He's one of my, he's one of my, if not my best friend. And he's, mm. um, he'll just come along on climbing trips. He doesn't do any climbing and he just takes great shots and, and that's what he does for a living. So it's just, it's kind of a, a good deal that I get to hang out with my friend and I also get photos. So that's, it's pretty handy yeah. actually. Yeah. That's awesome. So you are climbing through most of the time, if not all the time, very cold 
and uh, extreme conditions, what is the most important part of your body that you need to keep warm in order to continue going on, in your opinion? Um, well, geez, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, I've frozen, I've frozen my fingers pretty good a couple times um, where I'm peeling skin like bananas. Oh, you know, man. My, uh, I, I, th- I think it's really important to keep your, um, your feet and your hands warm I, I mean i i can think of nothing more miserable than having you know frozen toes or frozen fingers all the time so i'm i'm always real careful about that i i, I usually carry more gloves than um probably anything else yeah. so that i can uh keep those i mean that's stuff that i need right um, yeah. but i think i think that um keeping your whole torso having a good sleeping bag um i i go really lightweight so um, I'm usually sleeping uh, with like my down coat, my little down pants on in my sleeping bag, mm. and um, you know, I, and I've been out, you know, in Alaska one time. It, I think the plane picked us up on the glacier, and it was minus twenty in the sun. So, like, I mean, when you're on these climbs, it's important to keep moving. But I think that feet and hands are the most important. My dad lost about four of his toes back in the day. Really, so from front. Yeah, from Frosty. So um, all I gotta do is look at his feet with sandals on, and then I know to keep my feet healthy. <laughs> Just to make sure that they're okay. Yeah. Um, so, would you consider yourself very good at packing? Because I think every time you get out to, you know, take a nap or sleep in your sleeping bag or you know set up your tent or whatever, you gotta pack it all back in and make sure it fits, so you're not missing anything, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I double, triple check, and I mean, I'm I'm kind of a weirdo with packing i mean sometimes i'm like did i did i pack it you know enough do i need that or do i not you know and i I end up having (laughs) to like throw stuff out Mm -hmm. um i'm probably just the same as everybody else to be honest with you you know they're going on vacation they're like no i don't need that fifth swimming suit you know or something like that i don't know but but um you know i kind of go through it and and make sure that i have like the absolute basics headlamp um, all the food that I need, that's my survival fuel for my stove, that's water, um, and then all of my clothes. And, and you know, I try and pare it down to the, the bare minimum because the least weight that I'm carrying, the faster I'm going to be. And, and really, in, in climbing a mountain, um, speed is safety. Yeah. Food um, provides you all the energy that you need. What food is it that you use uh, specifically, like, what do you prefer to have? Because obviously, like you said, when you're running low on supplies, you just grab what you can grab and you and you use it or you eat it. But you know, what do you prefer to have, if if possible? Well, um, like at base camp and whatnot, like um, we actually, it's kind of I I just thought I'd mention this. Like at base camp in Alaska, we go to Costco and we fly mm. in like a few a couple bags, maybe like a couple hundred pounds of like Linglings and whatever you know like all types of like good food so that we're living really healthy um and and eating a lot at base camp but on route um we obviously pare it down and and i'm a i have a really big sweet tooth so like i do a lot of like swedish fish really which i shouldn't do probably (laughs) yeah i can't I, i i yeah some skittles you know but like the i do eat you know i i usually take a lot of um you know, like summer sausage, lots of cheese, you know, um, I'll take like some Idaho potatoes. A lot of people eat, eat a lot of freeze dried fruit food and I like, I hate it. So like, uh. Uh, 
I do like a lot of Idaho potatoes with some cheese and like throw some bouillon in there and and it, it just heats up right away and you got a pretty good meal. Um, but as far as snacks, you know, there's lots of good bars that I use, you know, like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Bulletproof Coffee. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, but it's like, they make, they make uh, like a, like protein bars that are like so good. So I always like, I get a ton of those, but I do eat a lot of Reese's, whatever, whatever I think I can eat when I'm tired. Um, I'm at altitude. Maybe I, sometimes at altitude you don't feel like eating. And so um, I'll bring a lot of things that, that I know I can kind of choke down. That is insane. Swedish fish Skittles. That, that just sounds like a well-put-together meal right there. That's what I – yeah, I love it. I <laughs> love it. Um, when you've completed a hike, and this is the opposite, you know, the, the end game, when you've completed a hike or climb, what do you do to celebrate? What, what is it that you're just like, sweet, I'm done. You know, I survived it. I made it happen. Now I'm going to do this. Oh, man, occasionally – depends on where I'm at but occasionally I'm like stuck right where I was like kind of at the bottom of the mountain for another week or two you know that's happened a few times where wow. I mean I mean right after Mount Huntington Alaska um we came down I think we had all this like organic licorice we we're just sitting there eating those licorice in the tent and then it, mm. there was an earthquake you know so oh. like there we are like rattling in our tent you know this earthquake <laughs> and I'm like oh god you know but you know, I always, um, I like to come home and, and spend, uh, time with my wife and, you know, my, my dogs and, and, uh, I guess I can kind of come back and reflect and, and, and relax. Um, I'm always ready to go climbing. I'm always antsy to go, uh, climb something new. And, um, when I get home, I'm, I'm, I'm real content with, uh, you know, just getting back to my training and spending time with, you know, people that I love. So, yeah. um, and, and you're, you're never, you're never sure how these climbs are going to go. Like I said, I mean, this, the, the major difference in sports like this is, um, you know, hopefully it's, hopefully you won't, but you can get killed. And yeah. So that's the, uh, that's the big one. So I'm always happy to, to, uh, be home. It amazes me that you're so laid back with these experiences. Like, yeah, you know, I was just, there was an earthquake, whatever, you know, it just blows my mind. Take welding is your other profession. And you said that you've kind of backed off a little bit more in the uh, last few years uh, of welding in general, but what was it like to weld in Alaska? You said you were working on the Alaskan pipeline and stuff like that. Is that pretty dangerous? No, no, not at all. In fact, it's like, well, I mean like technically like welding in a tank, I mean, they steam them out. They probably have like methanol and oil or diesel in these tanks, and they steam them out. And I go in there, and I mean, technically, yeah, it could be, it could be dangerous. And uh-huh. but, um, you know, it's mostly it's, it's a pretty dirty job. You know, I mean, it's it's um, you know, as someone that's an athlete, um, I do a lot of cardio, a lot of running. I mean, inhaling a bunch of like toxic mm. smoke all the time probably isn't the best thing in the whole world. I mean, I wear respirators <laughs> and things, but still it's, yeah. it's, it's just kind of a, kind of a dirty job. So, but I really enjoy, um, building things and, uh, it's kind of an art form. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a good, uh, welding has been very good for me, uh, throughout the years. Jess, thanks so much for being on the show. It does mean a lot for you to, you know, respond on Instagram and, and, and take the time out of your data to get with us here on the podcast. I did have one more question for you. 
And that would be any advice you'd like to give to anybody that would like to go and start climbing or start, you know, with ice or rock or, you know, hiking or whatever it is. And they want to follow their dreams that way. Um, I, I think that, that climbing has become pretty mainstream. It's going to be in the Olympics. Um, uh, I, th- you know, the, in every town, no matter where you're from, um, you know, maybe, maybe you've never even known anybody that's even tried it. Um, there's generally a climbing gym somewhere, um, that you live. And so it's, it's, if you're really into it, you should go in and give it a shot because it's, uh, the climbing community is really welcoming and it's, uh, it's a sport that you can do, um, and better yourself. Um, and it's not a competition. It's, it's something that, um, uh, you'll, you'll really enjoy and you can enjoy it into an older age. You know, it's not, Mm. it's not a young guy, uh, necessarily a young person sport. So anybody, um, should get out there and, and give it a shot. Hey, once again, man, thank you so much. I wish you the very best of luck on your on your future adventures. Hey, guys, don't forget to share, like, and subscribe.